Hey, we are right in the middle of um, this series we're doing called <clears throat> Home Improvement. <laughs> Sorry. And um, our heart during this series has been, Lord, we know that the relationships, the activities, and everything that has to do with the home are very important because we're eventually all going to the home of homes. And so God has things that he's doing. There's a pattern in home life that he's set for us. And so it's really important, these relationships we have. And so far, we've looked at the following topics. Brian Carlson, you can wave Brian, did a phenomenal job preaching on finances and how, how we take care of our finances is important to God. Awesome. And then John, uh, who is not here this week, by the way, John Prickett is just on vacation. If you're wondering where the good-looking, yet bald, funny, secure man is, he is, um, he is uh, <clears throat> in, where is he? I don't even know. Yeah, he's, he's in New Jersey and Philadelphia at home and stuff. He preached on mercy and how, how much in the home, with your roommates, with spouses, with parents, with kids, you need to be one who gives mercy. Which brings us to today. And today we're going to look at work and Sabbath. And truth be told, we're really just going to focus on Sabbath because I kind of like that better, if that's okay. So, <clears throat> I need to let you know, when we're talking about Sabbath, I, just, I look a little tan, and there's reason for that. That's because I just had two days... Uh, at Lake Winnipesaukee, actually about 24 hours, Lake Winnipesaukee, New Hampshire, and I feel super well rested. And for me, a good Sabbath, a good break away, is I have a little, like, chill, like I just was enjoyed sitting on the dock, and you know, early in the morning where the lake was not yet being stirred up by vehicles on the water, seeing the sun rise, just the beautiful weather, that's very nourishing for me, and so I enjoyed some of that. But I also have young man in me. Believe it or not, there's still some young man left. And I enjoy the jet ski. And so I got my adventure in. And I just had an awesome time on a jet ski. And that totally recharges me. It recharges my soul in a lot of ways. My poor wife almost left me after three days of marriage when we were in the Caribbean. And we did jet ski. And um, anyways, I piloted, obviously. And uh, she, she didn't like that too much. <clears throat> but it recharges my soul. I made a great time. And I came to New Hampshire just this last weekend really, really needing it. I actually, to be honest with you, I really had kind of the last two weeks, I just had this real kind of low-grade anger. And I don't know if you've experienced this ever, but the anger was just coming from having too many things to do and not doing any of them well. If you're like me, kind of type A, like to get things done, like to do it well, and, and I'm also a yes man sometimes and just take on more than I can handle, and so you got 15 plates spinning, and then as one after another starts to crash, really there's a deep inner anger that I feel because I'm not doing what I feel like I should be, you know? <clears throat> and so I wonder if any of you relate to that. You know, are you busy? Are you just packed? Is your schedule packed? Are you busy? Do you find yourself angry or disappointed because you're not able to do all that, you know, all good things that you feel like you should be doing? Maybe you see yourself there. Maybe... By God's grace, you're not like that. Maybe you're not as busy. Maybe you're not working. Maybe your schedule's a little more chill, a little more lax. But then I wonder, if that's more you, uh, is there, not that these are related. I, I want to be very clear. Not that not working equals this. But I wonder, are you, are you sad? You know, are there, are there, do you feel empty sometimes? Do you feel depressed or unable to celebrate life? Because maybe not a lot's going on. And lastly, whether you fit neatly into either of those two categories or not, I wonder, does anyone here struggle with anxiety because of a sense of lack? 
Maybe you feel anxious because you feel like you lack financially. You know, that's a huge stressor. Just praying with a woman this morning who um, hasn't had a job for a while and the, uh, the, the federal funding for unemployment is about to end and, um, and she's just in a real hard spot. Do you feel that lack? Is it causing you anxiety? Maybe it's relational lack. Do you feel anxiety because you feel like you don't have the social capital that you wish you had? You know, just friends, family. Or maybe you feel like a spiritual lack. You're just not connecting with God. Regardless of where you might put yourself, the thing is we've got a great story from the Word of God to help us tonight about any one of these situations that you find yourself in. So I invite you to turn with me to Mark 2, 23. Mark chapter 2, verses 23. And um, if you don't have a Bible and you want to look at one, I think in the pews there are actually some small black Bibles. I don't have a page number for you on them. But find it. Read along with me. I think you'll enjoy it. Anyone here from the Midwest? Okay, yes, just to remind you of your home. There, yeah. <laughs> Matt V, Iowa, there it is. There's your backyard, okay? All of you Midwesterners, no problem picturing this. Some of us New Englanders, we just have to use digital imagery. That's wheat, okay? <laughs> In case you weren't sure, that's wheat. Picture that with me. Mark 2, verse 23. One Sabbath... A day like today, except a Saturday. Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. Verse 24. The Pharisees said to him, right, these are just the religious guys. They were very smart in in religious matters, but seemed to have lacked a lot of heart, often missing the point of things. These guys said to Jesus, because they understand that Jesus was a rabbi and he's kind of taking care of his disciples, kind of teaching them. They knew he was the, the guy in charge. So they say, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Such a Pharisee thing to say. Why are they doing something bad? He answered. Jesus answered. He took responsibility for his disciples. Jesus could have answered a lot of different things, and I find it incredibly intriguing that he answered this way. We're going to look at this shortly. Have you never read what David did, right, King David, when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, that's a no-no, which is unlawful, excuse me, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So what I'd like to do today is, I know we hear the word Sabbath, and if you're like me, I just think, jet skiing on Lake Winnipesaukee. There's my Sabbath, you know? Great. But one thing I found over the years is, a great movie, which is great to unwind to. I love The Office. I'm not allowed to watch 30 Rock because of my wife, which is a wonderful thing. I'm just kidding, honey. Sorry. She, 30 Rock's a great show, but sometimes it's just unholy. So there are things like that that I can unwind to, but no matter how, you know, jet skiing doesn't always do it. There's something that isn't quite there. There's something that's missing. If it's just jet skiing, if it's just 30 rock, if it's just whatever I do or you do to unwind. So what I'd like to do tonight is looking at the scripture. Let's build a definition of what Sabbath really is. Okay? So everyone just say this. Sabbath is. There we go. We're going to start right there. Sabbath is 
when these Pharisees, these legal guys, get on the disciples' case and get on Jesus' case, and they're saying, hey, you guys are lawbreakers, what are they thinking? What is Sabbath to them? Let's find out. Well, Sabbath to them, very clearly, is right from the Genesis account, right? You remember Genesis 2, 2 and 3. This is the creation. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he Shabbat, he Sabbathed. He rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. He rested. It means he ceased. He desisted. He completed his work. He stopped working. This is what the Pharisees are thinking. They need to cease and desist. And surely they thought also of what better place to find the law than in the Ten Commandments. Wonderful things to tutor us and help us in which there's really some great substance. They're thinking of the Fourth Commandment. You know it from Exodus 20, 8 through 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day. It's interesting because in Deuteronomy it says, observe the Sabbath day. But in Exodus it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, right? Recalling the Genesis account we just looked at. The sea and all that is in them. But he rested, he Shabbated, he Sabbathed on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So these are the things that the Pharisees are thinking. And I bet they're also thinking about even a little, even a better law than this. Exodus 34, 21, some expansion on the law. And it says, on the seventh day you shall rest, even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. Surely, this day, this Sabbath day was a day in the plowing season because things were ripe to be taken. And so they got this law and they're all excited to nail these guys because they're breaking a law. And I love Jesus' answer because I believe that in Jesus' response, he is showing to us that Sabbath is so much more than just ceasing and desisting from your labor. He's showing to us in his answer that Sabbath is so much more than just showing up here on Sunday, although it's a good thing to do. And in his answer, Jesus is saying, even jet skiing on Lake Winnipesaukee, there's more to you resting you know, whatever recharges your batteries. Whatever thing you do to recharge your batteries, Jesus is saying there's more to it, to the Sabbath, to rest. Because Jesus could have answered with this. Some of you Old Testament scholars. Deuteronomy 23, 25. God gave a little out. Listen to this one. It says, if you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you must not put a sickle to his standing grain. In other words, maybe Jesus could have just gone law for law, you know? Battle of the lawyers. Pharisees do this. Jesus could have said, hey, haven't you read Deuteronomy where it's okay for us to do this? He doesn't do that. Why? Again, as I've said, I think he's trying to make a point, a point that should not be lost on us. And so we start to build our definition. Sabbath is, and I'm going to say this, Sabbath is trusting a person. Will you say that with me? Sabbath is trusting a person. This is the beginning of the definition I like to look at. Because like me, maybe you think time off, Sabbath, break, vacation, I'm going jet skiing. But God actually has a little more in mind. He says this, 
Remember what we just read from the fourth commandment. He says, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Right from the very beginning, God's intention for Sabbath, for rest, was that it be to a person, to the Lord your God. We Sabbath to someone. We get rest from someone. We Sabbath to the Lord our God. And just like you and I often forget that a part of the Sabbath is the person Jesus Christ, he calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath, the people of Israel also forgot. And so, you know, as the people of Israel forgot thing after thing, God sent them prophet after prophet to call them to truth, to call them back to what was most essential and most vital. So we hear this in Isaiah, one of those prophets. Isaiah 58 says this, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, now listen to this. He says, you will find your joy in the Lord. See, we Sabbath to a person. We Sabbath to get our joy back in the Lord. Sabbath is trusting a person. It's trusting a person with a capital P. And of course, so it's no accident that this man, Jesus Christ, says, I am Lord even of the Sabbath, reminding us that Sabbath begins and ends with a person. Okay? Say it with me. Sabbath is trusting a person. Sabbath is trusting a person. So, how did Jesus answer the Pharisees? As we continue to build this definition, he, he responds with a story. Right? And this is where I want to Keep building. Sabbath is trusting a person for your provision. Okay, say that with me. Sabbath is trusting a person for your provision. Listen to the story he says. Because by the way, do you know this story didn't even take place on a Sabbath? Is Jesus just a bad biblical scholar? Maybe. I don't know. The story he shares is from 1 Samuel. The story about David. I'd like to read it. It's just six verses. Let's try to figure out what is Jesus doing by sharing this story. If you want to get there, it's 1 Samuel 21, 1 through 6. Forgive me, I don't have it marked. Here's the story that he shares to explain to the Pharisees what Sabbath is about. David went to Nob. Now remember, David here is on the run. There's an insecure leader, Saul, who is jealous of David, and so he's got David on the run. David's fleeing from the king of Israel, and he goes to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him, right? David has a little reputation. He's a a powerful man, and asked, why? Are you alone, right? Are Are you about to kill me? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech, the priest, The king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, no one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. Well, David's lying here. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here provided the men have kept themselves from women, right? This is the bread that in the tabernacle, in the temple, that was put before the Lord, and it it indicated God's presence. It's not to be touched. 
David replied, verse 5, Indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set out. The men's things are holy even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? Right? Just making the point. Everything's okay, priest. And the priest does this. Verse 6, So the priest gave him the consecrated bread since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence, capital P, right? The presence of God that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread. On the day it was taken away. Why in the world does Jesus share this story? I believe Jesus shares this story because he's making a point, that point being that Sabbath is trusting a person for your provision, that God cares about your provision, right? He cared more about David's men getting fed than he did about sticking to a law. Although the law intended to bring him glory, God's flexible enough to see that here's what was important was the provision of his people. Isn't it interesting that provision is the bread of his presence? Because God knows that Sabbath is about a person, the presence of a person. What an incredible choice Jesus did to share this story, right? And I would also say that Jesus is making a point to the Pharisees that his authority, you know, the Pharisees would have counted David as like the man. You know, David, good guy. We love him. We know him. He wrote a few good psalms. He's a hero, right? We can... Trust him. And Jesus is saying, hey, one greater than David is here. It's me. I am Lord of the Sabbath. Another reason he probably gave this example. Do you remember the story in Exodus 16 where God said, God was, um, the people of Israel were wandering the desert. He said, hey, I'm going to feed you guys. I'm going to give you this kind of funky white flaky stuff that will show up every morning, right? The manna. And he says, hey, guys, gather six days. On the seventh day, you really can rest. But a few people don't believe him. And on The day before the Sabbath, they try to gather extra, and then it goes bad on them. He says, hey, don't you believe that Sabbath is about this, trusting me for your provision? It's why we Sabbath, so that we can display our trust in God for his provision. And when I say provision, I know immediately you may be thinking like I do. I'm thinking about my bank account or my checkbook, you know, the fact that I don't go to work on a day or two. But I'm talking about all sorts of provision for your life. You know, is there other provision? You can trust God. You can rest in your soul because God wants to provide for you relationally. He wants to provide for you. Yes, financially he wants to provide. He wants to provide. And so I access this Sabbath rest regularly during my week because if I don't, I die or I freak out or I fry or whatever. I'll have to go to the loony bin. But I have to access this Sabbath rest all the time. I say, God... I need your provision right now. I don't know what to do in this decision. God, I don't know how to handle this situation. I invite him in. Say, God, be my Sabbath rest. I'm really anxious right now, but be my Sabbath rest. Okay? Say this with me one more time. Sabbath is trusting a person for your provision. And the final thing I'd add is this. There's a great result. That's why we Sabbath. Sabbath is trusting a person for your provision, and the result is rest. It's what we're all longing for, rest. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 9, there's this wonderful verse. I encourage you to study it on your own. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. I encourage you to read the context. Time prevents us tonight from kind of going into that. That would be a whole thing on its own. Actually, it probably could be a whole series on its own. But Hebrews 4, 1 through 11, if I was going to wrap it up, I'd say this. If I was going to give you the essential, the essential 
of that, these verses around Hebrews 4 is that, that rest comes from obedience and faith. Okay? Rest doesn't just come from not working. Oh, that's a part of it. But it comes from obedience by faith. Faith-filled obedience or obedient expressed faith, if you will. So concerning the Sabbath, what does that obedience and that rest look like? And this is where I want to suggest two concrete things for us as a people. Okay? We've learned that Sabbath is trusting a person for our provision. The result is rest. So how do I do that? I got two Two kind of main things. The first thing is, and I'm getting this largely from a book that showed up on my doorstep miraculously. Actually, I'd mentioned it. This book called Leading on Empty. I don't want to freak you out by showing the title. Maybe I shouldn't show that. Leading on Empty is by a pastor named Wayne Cordero. He pastored a church called New Hope in Honolulu, Hawaii, and he started in the early 90s, and now the thing's grown to 15,000-plus people. But in his later 50s, he just found himself totally burnt out, panic attack, heart attack, and he's just having to shift gears now. And he's an incredible leader. He's, just a, he's a leader of leaders. And he often appears with Bill Heibel. Some of you know Willow Creek Church. He, he does leadership training with, he does leadership presentations with Wayne, with Bill, sorry, Wayne Cordero and Bill Heibel. Anyways, he suggested this. He said, you know what? You need to work from rest. In other words, you need to take a look at your calendar and you need to plan ahead of time your Sabbath so that you're working out of a place of having rested and not just the other way around, right? Because what does the culture say? The culture says actually what the Greco-Roman world said to the Hebrews when they invaded, right? When Rome showed up in Palestine and conquered, you know, and occupied this land, they took a look at the Sabbath. And I'm getting this from um, a book that Sarah Booth let me borrow called Sabbath by Rabbi Heschel. This book came out in the 50s. This rabbi was writing. He said, hey, when the Romans were kind of making fun of the Jews because of this thing they do where one out of seven days they just stop everything, I mean really stop everything, they just kind of put it together and they said, well, I guess it makes sense because at least they work better the other six days. You know, like they just need to rest so that they work better the next six days. And that's not untrue. But as Rabbi Heschel makes the point, the problem with that view is we don't just rest on a day so we can work way better But the vision of Sabbath that God has is way bigger, and that is it's a celebration of life. It is a time to rest and be recharged, but it's the climax. It's not like the hiccup in between, like, the week. You know what I'm saying? It's the real deal. So anyways, my point. So Kelsey and I, we're we're trying to do this. So we figured out sometime in the spring, we said, you know, we're going to take a mini vacation in July. Thank you, church. We had a great time. We're going to take a mini vacation in August. We're going to do that in a couple of weeks. And then we've got a big one coming up in early December, right? And then we'll kind of carry things through, through you know, Christmas and New Year's so the rest of the staff can take a break. But we've just got it planned out. And I'm pumped. I'm pumped. We're actually going on a cruise. Someone gave us a gift of a cruise in December. I'm really excited. But as I've mentioned to you, it's about a person. And I've already been asking Kelsey because Kelsey is like a cruise person. She's been on cruises. It's going to be my first one. But I said, Kelsey, just a big boat with a lot of people. Tell me there's places I can get away and meet with the Lord of the Sabbath. Because if I don't meet with Lord of the Sabbath during the cruise, I'm just going to come back in mid-December and be really tired during Advent. And it'll be not as fun. Do you know what I'm saying? Which actually just brings me to my second point. So first you plan ahead. And just so you know what I do, and I, I did it as a teacher. So just because I'm a pastor, I don't ha- uh, this isn't limiting. I mean, let me tell you what I... As a teacher, I still made sure that I took a uh, personal retreat every quarter, okay? Just a public school teacher. But I'd make sure some Friday, I see some, some of my, 
I never had any of these guys, but some, some of my former Young Life guys are here today. You guys can wave. It's great to have you here. <clears throat> Newton North High School, good times. So while I taught at Newton North High School, my point here is just you don't have to be a pastor to do personal retreats. I would just make sure that once a quarter, maybe once a trimester, I would just get two days away to get recharged. And I would just plan that ahead because I needed it to make it. <clears throat> and how you spend your retreat is another discussion. I can give you some heads up on that later. So you plan ahead of time. Plan your vacation, plan your rest, plan your Sabbath, and work from it. The second thing I would say, it's very basic, and I've already indicated it by explaining the cruise, is you want to invite the Lord of the Sabbath into your rest. Okay? And it can be the simple, I mean, it's a very simple turning of the heart. Jesus, be with me on this jet ski. Okay? I had a great time yesterday on the jet ski. And Jesus was there too. He was the third one. It was great. I'm being serious, though. If, if Jesus isn't in the recharge, then it's not recharge. So I invite Jesus in. And I just encourage you to set up a cadence that you can handle, right? A rhythm of life. So whether it's daily, you know, you're getting your daily devotional times, hopefully. We really want to cultivate passion for Jesus here by getting you meeting with Jesus. So in your daily cadence, in your weekly cadence, in your monthly and yearly cadence, you're planning rest ahead of time because otherwise it doesn't happen. Otherwise, you just react all the time. Then you find yourself burnt out or angry. And then when you do rest, whether it's jogging in the morning and you're listening to hill songs, you know, whether it's you're going to Aruba with Jesus, you're doing it with Jesus. The Lord of the Sabbath is with you because otherwise it's, it's not, not any good. Amen? Really basic and yet so needed in the church. And here's why. Because here's the vision I get. When I think of our church, and I had the privilege this morning of preaching with these guys, with Emmanuel, as they met at Obear Park. When I think about them, when I think about our church, when I think about the church we prayed for, Caleb Ingersoll's church, when I think about the body of Christ, all kind of regaining this original heart of Sabbath and kind of saying no to the craziness of the world. Because, by the way, I love this one quote from Richard Foster. He wrote a book, Celebration of Discipline, that we do in our training school. He said, busyness isn't of the devil. Busyness is the devil. She thought, I'd, that's a freebie. You're welcome. <clears throat> I didn't know what I was saying because I got so excited by that quote. Oh, yeah, this is what gets me excited about if all, of us, if all of us believers can get that vision, right, that busyness really is the devil, here's what's going to start to happen. A, that thing that the Greco-Roman people talked about actually will happen and that we will be more effective at work, you know? When you're really rested, you're going to enjoy your work and you're on time so much more. But that really is the lowest common denominator. That's not the most important thing. The other important things is we're talking about home improvement during this series. Your home will be a place of Shabbat Shalom, Right? Sabbath peace, shalom. One thing I do, and God, I should do it more. I'm convicted, but my wife is out there, and I try every week to give her about four to eight hours. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but where I take JD, and she can just go, and she goes to Panera, and she doesn't have to watch JD. She can just have coffee. So if you see my wife alone at Panera, just don't even talk to her, okay? She's there having her coffee alone. She goes and does girl stuff, gets her hair done, and all that stuff. And honestly, just she needs that four to six, eight hours, and she is a new woman. And our home is a home of peace when she gets that. So if we have homes, if we have, if we have roommates and spouses and parents and kids who are all Shabbating, it's going to be a good home. Your home will improve. So give each other that grace, you know. What do you need? Oh, do it. I'll do the dishes. You do that. And let's have some give and take here. You do that because you need your shalom. We're trying to do it as a staff a little bit better, too. 
And lastly, I just think you will recover your joy in the Lord. If you let the Lord be your provision, if you trust him, a person, the Lord of the Sabbath to be your provision, you are going to be more in touch with the living God. Your tank is going to be full. You're going to be satisfied in him. As it said in Isaiah, you're going to find your delight in the Lord. And just think about that. You know what is your delight in? Honestly, can we just have a little delight meter right now? I delight in the Boston Bruins. I'm just going to tell you right now. I see the new players they picked up over the summer, and I'm really excited, and I'm praying, God, somehow, by God's amazing grace, can I have a few tickets, Lord? Please. It'd be so amazing. But honestly, I do a little heart check like that, and I say, well, that's a little out of whack. You know, am I putting all my delight into a silly game, you know, a few people killing each other on the ice and a few fights, and like that's what I'm excited about every day? Sadly, sometimes it is. Lord, let me delight in you. Let me delight in your presence. That's what's going to happen as we do this. We're going to start to delight in the Lord when we Shabbat unto him. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. We're going to say it. Sabbath is trusting a person for your provision, and the result is rest. Amen.